This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the British Columbia Chapter of the Directors Guild of Canada. Learn more about BC's stellar directors at www.directors.ca. That's www.directors.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Ferminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. Today, we welcome Aubrey Arneson. Did I say that right? Yeah. I just realized I've never said your name out loud before. Yeah, and you nailed it. Aubrey Arneson to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Aubrey Arneson is a lot of things. She's a director, an actor, a television host, a writer, a hardworking prairie girl who grew up in a hockey family. And we've only just begun to see her shine. In 2017, Aubrey was named one of Canada's top three emerging female directors by Women in View. More recently, she directed an episode of the Emmy-nominated series Dino Dana. Dana? Dana. Dana. Dana? I know, it's always tricky. Well, I had, so I, when I was in university first year, there there were two girls, both named D-A-N-A. One was Donna. One was Dana. And neither was Dana. So anyway, falling over myself all the time. Yeah, no, Dana's right Okay, in this instance. Thank you very much. We'll leave that in to show me stumbling. People love to watch me stumble. All right. No. Uh, (laughs) Aubrey was nominated for an astounding 12 Leo Awards and won one for Best Host for the Wedding Bells. Aubrey wrote, directed, and starred in, oh, shit, Kindergarten Zabin Ich. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to say it. And I, the, I, I should never ever title a film <laughs> with a foreign language title again. It was, it was, it was, it was a on a whim, and it was silly. Kindergarten <laughs> da bin ich, a hilarious short film about a woman who is sent back to kindergarten. The film was created through Crazy Eights, was a hit on the festival circuit, screened on National Canadian Film Day, and broadcast on the CBC. Aubrey also wrote and directed Winter Song, a film that draws inspiration from her hockey origins and was broadcast far above the prairies on Air Canada flights. She also co-created two scripted comedies that were piloted by City TV. Oh, and we'll soon be seeing her playing Dr. Lucy Fife on the Apple TV series Home Before Dark. That's a lot of projects, a lot of different roles, a lot of awards, and a lot of stories. So today we're going to get to know the woman behind the projects and roles and awards and stories. We're going to wade through the various projects in order to build a more complete picture of who Aubrey is and where she's taking us all. Aubrey Arneson, 
Welcome to the YBR Screen Scene oh Podcast. My, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I need you, I need to listen to that intro every morning. That was very inspiring. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I did, but it's all true. It's this all true. This is all true. But you give it such oomph. I well, love it. I have the, the full picture. <coughs> but also, I mean, it was I had a challenging time writing this. I did. Because of how much you do, how many labels you have stuck on you and, and roles that you have taken on. Um, and so I'm just wondering, like, who are you? Like, what are you? And like, how do you describe yourself right now? I, uh, <laughs> exactly, uh. exactly. No, it's a real, it's a very good question. I think that um, I have a similar challenge when I go to write a bio or I'm in an interview or like a pitch situation, I, I, I get, a, it can get very distracting. Like, oh, and I did this, and then I was a host, and then I was an actor, and then I did this. I think that the through line of my career, my existence right now, I think I just, I love stories. I love to tell stories, and I love connection. Mm. I love people. Um, and I love like creation and discovery, which many people in this industry do. Yeah. So everything that I have done has usually started like everything like the tiniest seed of an idea and then it's turned into a project do you think it's important to have a clear idea of what you want as you move through your career or or can you just go more based on emotion because you said i love this i love stories i love to to you know i love characters like whatever like it like, and that could mean a lot of different things, right? Clearly it does in your case. I mean, I think sometimes it's easy to look back and, and wonder, you know, had I only focused on this, that, you know, the thought in your head is, would I be further in this or would I be further in that? But for yeah. me, um, for example, like when I was doing the TV hosting and the wedding series, that wasn't something that was ever a, th a passion or a love or a dream. It yeah. was an opportunity from an idea that came to fruition that ended up being five to six years of my life where I met some of the most incredible people, where I have some of my dearest, fondest memories. Um, so it was a surprise of my life. Yeah. So to answer your question, I would say no. I think that my life has been more full mm. because I have followed, if I had said no to that opportunity, you know, no, I'm only gonna work in scripted. I'm not gonna do entertainment, lifestyle, television. Um, I would never, I wouldn't have those memories and I wouldn't have been a part of all the, connected with all those people. Yeah. Okay. So, so that is cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back in time. Yeah. Cause I always love going back in time to the prairies. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cold. And where are you from? <laughs> uh, no, I, I was born out east. I, I was born in Montreal. Okay. Um, but I have loved having people from the prairies come into the studio, people like Michael Eklund, mm -hmm. people like Alex Ponovic, and bring me in this time machine that we have here, back in time, you know, to okay. growing up and yep. dreaming on the prairie. So take me back. I want to meet you when you are the same age as my daughter, so nine years old. Okay. And uh, said, so tell me about like what kind of kid you were, what you loved, and what you wanted to be when you grew up. So that's a great question. So when I was nine years old, um, I had an obsession with the movie Grease. <gasps> okay. Were you were you more like Team Sandy or Team Rizzo? I was. T I was. I mean, I was Sandy. I wanted. Yeah. You know, I was Sandy. I was Team Sandy. I was Team Rizzo. So, were you? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's good. She's good. <laughs> they're all they're all good. They're yeah, all they're good. all they're all good. 
They're but all, I would have I gotten you in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I turned into Rizzo in high school. Okay. But in nine, oh, oh, whoa. What am I saying? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did. No. Uh, I was Sandy for sure. Like I was obsessed with Sandy. Um, I was a figure skater. So I figure skated quite competitively. I mean, when I was nine, it was a little less. But as I was into teenagehood. Yeah. And I was, as you said, I grew up in a family where my dad had played professional hockey. And his career had ended only a few years before yeah. that age. So we had moved to a new community and I was new to school. Um, I was always, I think, quite extroverted. I loved fashion. So I yeah. was always dressing up. Um, and I kind of dreamed of figure skating performances. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about film and TV. I don't. I, it wasn't. It wasn't like I didn't. I wasn't like I'm going to be an actress one day, you yeah. know, or I'm going to make movies one day. But I loved to like perform Greece for my family whenever they'd watch it. Yeah. So that was always there. So when did that that first spark hit? Then, or like that first moment when you actually pictured yourself working in screen entertainment, you know, performing and acting and, you know, sharing stories in that way with others. Well, I, I, so funny. I had a friend over from high school last night and we hadn't seen each other in many, many years. And we talked about high school. And so I, I had stopped skating sort of in grade 11 and I did go to a drama class in about grade 10 or 11, but I was, I was caught up in being you know, popular or cool or whatever high school does. Yeah. And I didn't have the confidence to go into the school play or to go into drama in high school. But I definitely wanted to. And mm. I remember walking away from that first class with like my friend who was like, this is lame. I was like, yeah, you're right. This is lame. And it was not lame. It was something I wanted to do. So I didn't do it in high school. And then university, I signed up for theater. Okay. So it was always in there. It's just sometimes... Yeah. yeah, in life, you. I didn't have the confidence in high school. I had confidence in many areas in high school, but to go and do my heart's desire was not one of them. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Get the confidence for almost anything else except for your heart's desire. Yeah. Now, I want to, like, before, before we move on yeah. out of the prairies, um, I, I, I love that image that I imagine with the prairies of, like, you know, a kid, like, just, like, you're born and then they slap skates on you and send you outside. Like, tell me about the impact that well, that <laughs> hockey had on and, like, the, the fact that you grew up in that kind of family ha had on you and your career, you know, and, and shaping who you are. I mean, I think that my dad, so my dad played in the NHL for many years and then my brother ended up playing in the NHL for many years as well. And I think it instilled the idea and belief that you can do and become anything. Yeah. You know, there, it was limitless. Dreams were limitless. And in our house, you know, there was never, I, I don't come from a family where it's like, you know, get a degree, become a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer. Like there, there, that was never a discussion. Yeah. Sort of stability was never a discussion. Limitlessness and what's possible was always a discussion. Um, but... It wasn't even a discussion. It wasn't talked about. It was just done. But for me, being a girl, when I was young, girls didn't really play hockey. Mm. And there's a lot of, especially in the prairies, there's a lot of obsession and admiration for hockey players. And I think that I really longed for the attention that yeah. was given to my dad and brother. And I actually made, that's what the winter song is about. Mm. Um, a little girl who has other dreams and aspirations in her family, but that the whole culture of her life is obsessed with hockey. Yeah. Um, so I think that my parents have been incredibly supportive. 
but they don't work in the film industry. Yeah, but you know what I find interesting about what you're you're saying though, because uh, like when we have a lot of people who come in into this into this room and talk about you know the fact that like the the industry when they enter it, like they're bringing a lot of its dreams and its hard work. And those yeah. are like, you wouldn't think that the film industry and hockey have a lot in common. And yet dreams and hard work are a huge part of, and, and recognition as well, you know? Like, and especially, and I'm assuming in the towns where you grew up, like everybody came out for the for the hockey, right? Like it yeah. was like a big community thing. So and it's like, so you got that recognition from that, you know? And then in performing, I mean, it might seem so different. And yet as you're talking, I'm like, wow, it's like, yeah, no, it's so like so the same. It is. It is the same. Yeah. It's like, I want that. But because I was a girl and girls didn't really play hockey in that, and they still don't to that level. Not Yeah. To that level. Not to that level. They play to college, but yeah. they did professional level. Um, you know what? I did. I wanted, I wanted a piece of that. And yeah. I wanted to, and, I, and definitely the not giving up and um, trying to, you know, if my mom always said, why not you? Why not you? Like, why, why can't it be you? You know, like, believe that it could be you could be you that gets picked or it could be you that play in the NHL or it could be you that win the award or why it could not be you, you. Why I not love you? that especially in this industry you know where like it's like I, I want your mom to live in my head and be this little <laughs> yeah. thing like why not you or in, in another actor is going in for an audition why yeah. not you why not you have that voice in your head yeah. um, what I also find interesting uh, is that in the films that you've made to date yeah uh, both of them, including, <clears throat> let me scroll back up, Kinsagassen, Zabin Eich. Ich weide. It's supposed to kindergarten, here I go again. I'm a oh, friend from Germany. I'm sorry, did I miss a word? But you know what? It's okay. No, it's kindergarten, da bin ich weiter? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's that's the film. Kindergarten, da bin ich weiter. But here's the thing, Sabrina. Don't On the festival circuit, I had to basically shorten it to kindergarten. The movie is called Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Um, Yeah, it's basically kindergarten. So it's called Kindergarten. Kindergarten. I know how to pronounce some words because I, I... So peek behind the curtain. I studied classical voice for many years. And so you have to be able to sing German leader and also <laughs> Italian art songs and French song. Like, so I can pronounce like yeah. some words very well. Uh, see, I can't, I don't understand it though. But I got the title from my friend who's from Germany. I'm yeah. not, I, I'm a part German, but I don't speak German. Oh. So naming it a German title was a mistake, filmmakers <laughs> out there. It should have been called something else, but now that's the name of the okay, film. Let's instead of a mistake, because it's such a glorious film. Okay. Let's call it a learning opportunity. A learning opportunity. Yeah, it was a, it was a, re- a revelation. But anyway, so the, that film, though, if I remember correctly, uh, despite the fact that it's this very surrealist thing about this, you know, adult woman who um, it's discovered that she actually, like, you know, uh, didn't, complete kindergarten so she sent back to kindergarten I visited you on set because uh, I that was when, when I would occasionally visit Crazy Eights films yeah and I read about them um, but that's based on a true story also from your own uh, your own past so no, you're right both of my shorts <laughs> have a theme of how hockey affected my life yeah like like that one is because my dad started went to play in Germany and so I missed kindergarten because I didn't want to go I was intimidated by it was actual German kindergarten yeah and then the other one is, yeah, that's in, that is I'm sorry, you didn't go to German kindergarten. I know. Because you were intimidated? Well, I I was five, so it was my mother's decision more so. But in the picture in the film, I do say um, her self-proclaimed overmothering mother decided she would not go. <laughs> so it was more of a like, I'm not sure if my mom wasn't ready to send me. 
I didn't. It wasn't an international school. It was actual German kindergarten. Was, yeah. And so I didn't go. And then when I was about to go into grade one, my family's like, we need to move back to Canada. Like my dad was done anyway. He does. I think didn't want to play anymore. And I, I went straight into grade one. I'd never been to preschool. I'd never been anywhere. So the premise of the film is that I didn't develop any of those skills, make friends, stand in line, all that stuff. And. So that's the premise of the film, but is that like true? Did you did you miss out on developing those skills? Then? Well, the idea for the film was because when you walked in here today, you pushed me over, and you know, like, and then you're like, "Where's my juice?" So is that? I'm totally kidding. You know what? But... Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes and no. Okay, because it's not entirely true. I mean, obviously, I'm a somewhat functioning adult, but I will. Go. And I'm just kidding. You are very much a functioning and adult. very capable adult. No. You would not be directing but here's if where you the weren't. idea came from. It came when my girlfriend, who's a kindergarten teacher, I said one day to her, I go, I didn't go to kindergarten. And she, her head turned on a swivel. She goes, that makes a lot of sense. And I was like, what? And she goes, well, you're not graded. You know, she jokingly goes, your handwriting is bad. And she's like, you always go to the front of lines. And I do. I kind of. And this is going to sound insane to who your listeners, but like, I'll be like, oh, and I kind of wander up to the front and ask a question. And I, 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 it's not a, it's not a, it's not a quality I should talk about, but it was the, it was the, um, <laughs> it's not one you should talk about, but you did make a movie all about I it. I know. So I did kind of do that at that time when I, I, I think, I don't know. So it's not like I'm rude. I was just sort of, oh, what about. I don't know. That's hilarious. Okay. Yes. Um, I let let's let's get back in the time machine then. Okay. Uh, and um, let's let's go forward into the film and television industry then. So I'm assuming at a point you're you make a statement, something along the lines of, "I want to be an actor." Yes. So I come to Vancouver for the summer. I'm in University of Manitoba taking some film courses, some theater courses. I come here for the summer. I get an, a commercial agent. The film industry tricked me I go to my first ever commercial audition and I book it and I'm like well this is this is easy uh, <laughs> okay now no. fun fact fun fact to get us back to the skating they needed rollerbladers and so I was rollerblading it was like a Walmart commercial or something and very I was a good rollerblader so I booked yeah. this commercial and then I uh, heard about Vancouver Film School and I applied and I got, anyway, I decided to go there. So I told my parents I'd like to go there. They were so supportive. They sent me, and the rest is history. I've been here forever. And what did you like? What did? Because okay, so like your late teens, early twenties really are a time when a lot of people like they make their big statements, right? Like, mm -hmm. I want to be this, Actor. or or you have. So it was mm -hmm. I want to. And what kind of career did you want at that point? Well, I'll be honest. The career I wanted at that point is the career I still want in some ways. I mean, I wanted to. I've learned so much since then, but I wanted to win an Oscar. You know, I wanted mm. to be the lead in feature films. I wanted to be in Hollywood. I wanted that dream. I wanted yeah. all of what I thought that represented and what that was. But what about like at that point? I mean, because yes, I mean you're act, you're an actor. You've acted. You are acting. You know, but you also are directing and yeah. writing and other things. Uh, like, it, w was that part of your your like plan, your vision at that point? It wasn't. No. <clears throat> it wasn't. So I wanted to be an actor, and I, but I didn't know very much about the industry. So yeah. I've I've grown up. I've grown in the industry, learning about the industry. Yeah. And coming to writing was out of 
what I think many people do out of the necessity of wanting to be a part of projects because uh, you know you audition if you don't get parts you don't work mm. so then you start to create your own work so writing those those series for example was um, wanting to create something to act in yeah. but what happened when I did that is that then you I fell in love with oh writing is wonderful as well mm. and that's what's happened with directing because I was producing for a while um, and it took me a while to recognize that I actually wanted to direct. And the reason I want to direct is that you're in the center of the creative elements of the production. Yeah. You're in the center of the decisions. And not to be in the center, but you get... There's that kindergarten yeah, I know I was going to say, not to make it all about myself. But no, but um, I, I learned through producing that the director is the one who is... Even if you're not acting in the scene, you're in the scene. Yeah. And you're deciding, you know, you're discovering the scene and creating the scene and creating the story. And so it's taken me a while to get to the directing. I never thought I'd be a director. I didn't even know that existed, as silly as that sounds. Um, I usually end with this kind of question, but I, I feel that it's a it's a good point to ask it because we are just at the beginning of your your professional acting career, and you have just had you booked my your first career. my acting. No, you're uh, acting. Okay, because uh, yes. you you mentioned you got your first your first audition. Oh, yes. right. Like if you could go back in time and talk to, and you have one minute to talk to that Aubrey and to give her some advice. You know that would that would like really set her up. You know for for the next you know. I don't know how long ago that was, but years of, of her years, careers. Yeah. yeah. So like, what, what would you, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Or would you not say anything at all? Because that's an option too. No, I would say, the one thing I would say is, is don't try to fit what you think will equate to a success. Yeah. I think that um, trying to figure out an equation for how success happens, like what you view as success externally, like when you watch someone who's a lead on a series or winning awards for directing, or I think I would try to remind Aubrey of what she already knows, is to like tell her stories, um, simple as be yourself, and that it's a long game. Yeah, it's a long game, and 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 a long game. There's long that hockey, game. that oh, hockey yeah. talk. It's a long game. So, like, I guess that the question then is for me, after hearing that, is like, what, like, how has your ideas, like, how have your ideas around success changed since the beginning of your career? Then, like, what was success then, and what's success now? Success then was external acceptance and um, getting a part yeah. or, or, or other productions wanting me to be a part of it. So, you know, th- looking to others <clears throat> for belief that I did a good job. Yeah. Validation, external Valid- validation. External validation. Yeah. Success now is just the fact that I get to do it. Just the fact that I get to be a part of a commu- this community, yeah. that I get to write, create, pitch ideas, direct projects, audition. Like yeah. success now is the freedom to even go and be able to audition, get a part, go to set. I, I, I'm just grateful now that I am a part of this. Yeah. So that is success now. Yeah. The dream is still in the is still there. You know, still striving 
Um, but I think I'm more knowledgeable now. I think even when you get those external, don't get me wrong, I'd love an Oscar, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd love an Emmy, you know, like, because that would mean that you got to do it a lot. Yeah. So that would be the success, success that you got to go every day and do it. So you get to go more often and, and do what you love. Yeah, you get more opportunities to, to do projects you want to do. Yeah. 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 Or to say no to projects that you don't want to do. Yeah. Because that's a big part of it yeah. too, right? Um, you did say that uh, you spent five to six years of your life uh, in the wedding bells mm -hmm. universe. So, like, let's let's talk about you know the um, what you got to do on wedding bells and and what you got to. What you learned, like what have you, what did you learn from that? Okay, first of all, for my for my viewers or my listeners who haven't had the chance to experience wedding bells, can you tell us about what the con the con the conceit of the show was? The wedding bells was a show. It was a five minute segment. We later did a half hour version and a half hour show called the proposal, but it was a five minute segment. We did seventy eight of them. Wow. Yeah, and it was Sarah Groundwater and myself. And Sarah and I are very different. So she was, it started as she was getting married and I was her sort of somewhat unsupportive bridesmaid. And and so <laughs> we were planning her wedding. Yeah. So we would go to wedding boutiques and flor, flor, florists and all that. And we would talk about the trends and wedding things. And our characters would take the viewer on a ride yeah. through planning the wedding. Were you, did you grow up being interested in weddings or? Well, no, and here, and my sort of, my, <clears throat> the truth of my life is I was very single at that time. And also I wasn't that interested. So that sort of was why it worked too. It was funny. I was not as in, into it. Yeah. But as it went on, I got more into it. But no, I'm not, I'm not married. Yeah. We're going to get married. But like, no, it's never been a, a, a huge interest of mine. Yeah. But what I did love as I did the show is the the entrepreneurs I met. And yeah. Because the, there are a lot of different, um, <clears throat> a lot of different people's creativity and ingenuity and, and specialties go into creating, you know, wedding extravaganzas <clears throat> totally and I, I guess one of the lessons I learned that I would want to relay is that there is there is storytelling and skill in all genres and mm. so in the wedding bells for example yes we had to only do a, a five minute segment but we still had to have sort of a beginning middle and end and yeah. yes we were just talking about flowers or we were you know but so we had to create stories so it had to be like I thought that Sarah would really love this flower shop and then she doesn't or so I feel like in those 78 episodes I got to hone my storytelling skills mm. and I think what I take away from those years not just the connections and having a job which was nice um, that is nice yes. was very nice is that I actually was working on my filmmaking skills as well because yeah. I we didn't have directors we were lower budget so I was started directing those and then I was producing them and um, there was so much skill wise that came out of those years yeah that I wouldn't have a thought yeah yeah uh, the proposal yes that is was awesome do you ha do you have a favorite I have two one is um. I surprised my dear friend who's in the industry, Krista. Krista. <laughs> I surprised my dear friend, Krista. She wanted, she had reached out about being on the show and then I had to lie to her face and say, it's not going to happen. Kyle doesn't want to do it. You know, whatever. And ha -ha. then. Ha ha, Krista. I know. It was one of my favorites. And yeah. then I shocked her and it was one of our best proposals for yeah. sure. 
And the other one, and this is what I mean about earlier when I spoke about, it was a surprise, but it has left me with so many great memories, is there was a woman who reached out to us and she wanted to propose to her boyfriend and get married the same day. And we... I know, and he didn't even know. So we did it for them. She got proposed before they got in a helicopter. They flew to the top of Gross Mountain where we had their wedding planned. But it was really small. It was just them and a couple. There were no family, nothing like that. And tragically, she developed cancer a couple years ago and passed away almost three years after that happened. And I just am so glad that we... Yeah. Did I was a part of a dream that I never I, I just it's a beautiful memory. Yeah. And um they will always have that and they will have this this video of that day and yeah. their life and he will always have that and they have a child. They have two. Um and they'll always have they'll it. They'll always have that. You helped create something so special. Well and it's it's not even that I helped create it, it's that I got to be a part of it. Like I yeah. almost feel like, wow, that's so great. And there are a lot of stories like that where when you host or produce in a show like The Proposal, you get really close with the people in this important part of their lives, and it's awesome. It yeah. Was, it was fun. So even though you weren't, like, super-duper growing up into weddings and, you know, you got to... It's when you see passion in people and, and see the, you know, that there's a spark in their eye and magic in their yeah. eye. Like, like even with sports, I, I am not a, a sports person. person. yeah. But I... I respect the passion, like I, because it, because they are so passionate. Because I know what it does for people, and I know how it makes them feel. Because I know that I get those feelings from other parts of my yeah. life. So yeah, it was creating joy. I got to create joy <gasps> for people, right? Creating that, joy. Yeah, I got to create joy, and that was cool. That was that, that was should amazing. be your title. You should be like, I'm the joy the I'm joy, joy maker, the joy maker, yeah, or the joy dealer. Yeah, you know, it's like that. That could be your your yeah. superhero. And I, I, the funnest part for me is I got to do it through production. Yeah. So it was all about how are we going to film this, and how are we going to shoot this, and what is it going to look like, and what kind of you know all the fun things that I love about the industry. What's the framing? What's the colors? What's the this? But ultimately, I get to hand over this story of their life to them that was yeah. cool so as a director what is your directing style like how would you describe it I think my directing style is um, casual and connected and what I mean by casual is that I like to create a tone or a feel on set yeah. I want everyone comfortable I want everyone enjoying themselves and um I want there to be an energy where we're really open to like our best work. Yeah. So I don't want anyone feeling stressed, closed off, um, angry, frustrated. How do you like, how do you do that though? Like, is it like from, like you have that in mind from the minute you begin, you begin working, do you go on like, or is it when you get to set and you're going to make sure like you're going to keep your voice a certain way and like, like it's not really my voice a certain way. It's more, I make sure I, I, I look everyone in the eye, eye contact, like every single job on set. I try to, you know, see that person at some point in that day, just like, hi, good morning. Or like as simple as it is. Yeah. Um, to see, well, I mean, that's all what people want, right? Is to be seen. Yeah. To be heard. And because I find it's what happens for me in my experience is when I'm directing, if I'm really connected to everyone on the set, and it is exhausting. Like after the project, you're quite exhausted. If you, but but I expend a lot of energy to connect with almost everybody. And when we have problems, I will sometimes like open it up to 
on indies more, but to the floor, I'm like, I have a challenge, everyone. Here's what it is. And then I feel like, because I'm connected to everyone, they offer solutions and then I can feel the solutions. And I have a lot of people to thank for things that have happened in my films over the years that were not my exact idea, but they sparked something. So I kind of like to use everyone as my team. Yeah. I'm like. That sounds so like it could go off the rails pretty quickly, right? You know, because it's like, what did they say? It's like a camel is a horse designed by committee, right? In some situations, it can't. Yeah. So it has to be like, okay, we have this. If you have an idea, it's not like we open the floor, but it's like, bring it to the AD or do this and that. Yeah. Um, and it's only, it's more so on indies that yeah. I can do that. Um, but generally, it's about the, f- the energy and the tone. Yeah. And, then, and then my connection to the actors. Speaking of actors, uh, You've worked with children. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I remember s- very specifically from uh, mm-hmm. kindergarten. Um, well, what are the like? What are some of the things that you've learned directing children? And like, what, what do you think that directors who are who are going into work with children for the first time need to make sure that they have in their director's toolkit? I would say you must be a buffer of the stress of the production and the child. Mm. Like you must. Um, it's very important that they do not feel the pre- like maybe you have one minute to get this shot. The child needs to feel like they have two hours. Yeah. That there's no pressure to do it. It's you have to really work to um, do that. And um, I think too much explanation doesn't work with kids. Mm. Less is more. Less is more. I would say all the time. And. Um, you don't remember that you they don't the child and the actor does not have to understand everything about the performance everything about the scene they just have to be real in the moment and all you need is that kid to be real and you will get what you need yeah so just let them be don't feel okay so you you know remember don't go remember you were coming in the door you were feeling sad yeah no just then they'll be like overthinking eyes go big state of panic they get unsure and they're yeah. very young minds. They can't, they can't, yeah, they don't think like that. Yeah. They think second to second kids, young kids. Yeah. So let them. Let them, yeah. Now, as far as adults though, in your experience, yes. is there such a thing as an undirectable actor? And like, and like, how do you deal with actors who maybe won't take your direction, you know, and, and seem committed to doing their own thing? What I do in those situations um, when some sort of, I guess it's called when someone is acting, you know, they've put on, putting on a performance because is um, I go away from the scene and I just say, I want you to look at Sabrina right now and I want you to think about how awesome it was at lunch when she brought everyone napkins and, uh, you know, that's often my role. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just try to get them to think something real. Yeah. And then I go, okay, action, do the scene. Like, I just try to get them out of their heads. So I just, that's what I do. I try to do that. Um, And then I've cast, so short I just did, we cast some of the actors, her parents, who've never acted. It's a long story. But, (laughs) and I've cast my dad, who was awesome, in the winter song. So I've worked with some non-acting, non-actors, for sure. And again, it's kind of the same as kids. You have to... Just as if you can get them to be real, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, and then in last case scenario, you can try line reads. Some people are very good at line reads. That's the worst advice. Everyone will tell you. Da, da. But if it's the last case scenario, you can go. As I'm an actor myself, I'll go, okay, I want you to say it like this. And every now and then, 
they paired it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we're keeping that. Yeah. That going in the can. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so you were acting before you were directing. Yes. And you're you're still acting and you're directing. Mm-hmm. So how has your time in the director's chair, like your time behind the monitor, influenced the work that you're doing now in front of the camera? Well, it's great for my narcissism because <laughs> it's I've realized it's not about me. Yeah. Oh, you're you're going you're graduating kindergarten. I really am. I really am. Well I really am. So like I think it's when you are acting sometimes you will feel you want to do a good job, you want to bring your performance, you want to give the production everything and give yourself, but then you worry about yourself a lot. But what's happened is now I understand so much more about how a scene is edited and how a scene is pieced together and that you don't have to get it perfect every time. Yeah. And it's okay because they're only going to pull this part and this part and this part. So I'm, lo- I'm more loose as an actor now. I'm more free. Yeah. I'm not trying to get it perfect. And then I'm a better actor. I love it. Yeah. Because I am so imperfect just in everything I do basically and that's 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 beauty yeah there it is and there's a that was my imperfect way of saying we're going to a sponsor break right now and when we come back we are going to talk about uh parenting uh and we're gonna talk about also home before dark yeah yeah Yeah? I'm like yeah "Yeah, is that okay is okay okay great how's that for a cliffhanger let's take that break This week, the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by the BC branch of the Directors Guild of Canada, and we are so lucky to once again be joined by none other than award-winning director Zach Lepofsky. Zach, you're back! Well, I never left. I've just been hiding (laughs) under the desk through all those other episodes. Oh, that was you! Yeah, I'm such a fan, I just figured, why download the episodes? Why not just hang out here? That is one way to do it. Yeah. Okay, so Zach, I heard that uh, DGC runs the best Christmas party in town. (laughs) (laughs) We certainly do. Uh, Yeah, if you're a member of the DGC, you get to come to this huge uh, Christmas party we do every year and lots of other exciting events. Um, You know, obviously there's important reasons to join the guild, but one of the benefits is all of the events that we do. Um, There's Christmas parties and parties at film festivals and all that type of stuff, but we also do a lot of um, sort of industry type events where we do mixers, we do uh, panels, we do training, we actually take directors down to events in LA, we run private sort of decision maker dinners and, uh, where we bring producers together and do meet your matches and kind of basically get our members in front of the people that hire them and get them to meet agents and that type of stuff to kind of accelerate their careers. Um, and we also do these great events called the Just Watch Us Chats, which we do once a month, um, where we bring together directors and showrunners and basically kind of get them do a panel where people get to hear kind of learn from their knowledge to how to accelerate their career and some of those we partner with the PSP um, when we find showrunners who are both directors and writers and um, those have been hugely successful so keep an eye out for those amazing events that the the DGC runs. Golden ticket to the best directing (laughs) events in town. Yeah. Fantastic. So if people want to learn more about how they can become a member of the DGC, where do they go? Uh, well, they can check out this new site that we have called directors.ca, um, which is part of our Just Watch Us campaign. Or they can follow us at Just Watch DGC on Instagram and Facebook. I love it. All right. Thanks, Zach. No problem. Okay. I want to talk about, because, I mean, you mentioned you have a child. Mm-hmm. Looks. Uh, can I say? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah she, she's sure. growing another one. Um, is this, like... It, how do how do you find as somebody who was in the industry before you had kids and now you're you are a mother like how how fair do you think this industry is for parents 
You know, like is is this a is this a good industry in which to be a parent and have a child? Like, talk to me a little bit about you know the, some of the challenges that and that you faced, and also maybe like good things that have happened. You know, like since you that you've noticed since you become a parent. I mean, I I think there's um, I'm gonna talk about the challenges are that when you do work, it's such extraordinary long days. Yeah. And what, well, what you don't know before you're a parent, what I didn't know is how much you want to be with your child mm. and how much you miss them and how important all of that is um, and how overwhelming and constant being a parent is and how exhausting and how limited your time is to focus on your career, depending on your situation, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting, and I know some people are trying to start up some of these things. I think it would be great if there was audition daycare drop-offs or, you know, like something. I've heard, there have something. been some people talking about this idea. Because often an audition can happen like, you got an audition tomorrow morning. You've got an audition this afternoon. You're like, ah, what do I do with my kid? That is the biggest, cha- that yeah. is one of the biggest, that is one of the biggest stresses is the acting side for yeah. me. Because like a meeting for directing or you know you're going to be on set is different. You can plan your childcare and you can, but audition, yeah, six at night you, or five at night you get audition for 10 a.m. You And I'm in a situation where he's 22 months, I cannot bring him. Yeah. You know, some people bring their kids and the community is amazing. We all help each other, but he's too young still. Yeah. So. Some kids are super duper chill. Yeah. Some are not. Like, I can't even imagine. I'm not an actor, but bringing my daughter at that age out and about? No. No. It, and, and yeah, your audition could be 10 minutes or they could be running behind. It could be an hour and you don't know what's going to happen. So that where's is your brain going to be? Where's your focus going to oh, be? It's yeah. learning a lot. It's the whole thing. That is definitely hard. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, it, like I said before, it's a bit freeing, too, because having being a parent helps put everything in life into perspective. Yeah. And so you go to the audition, and whether it's good or bad, or you get the part or you don't, you know, I mean, there is the pressure to work. Yeah. But there's also sort of this bigger picture thing, you know. Yeah. So that's that's nice. Is this an industry that you would recommend to your kids? It's so funny. She shook her I, head. I, I shook my. I shook my head. But it was a little. Was like, it was little. I, I laughed and shook my head. I mean, I don't. It's hard. And I, now that I'm a parent, I want to protect my son. Mm. And um, I mean, you can't protect them from the whole world. But it definitely. I think the rejection can take its toll yeah. on your mental state. <laughs> we talk about that a lot in here. Mental health is is huge. It's one of the first. It's one of the first things to go under under pressure, right? Or or yeah. maybe entering the industry and you don't have the strong mental health, and then it crumbles. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's very people telling you no all the time. And, you know? and and I think too, it's the idea that sometimes what happens in the industry for me anyway is you can feel like you're always waiting for this day in the future, and that can happen. Per- constantly even when you're working you're waiting for something bigger or you're waiting for this or you're and I think it's a byproduct of the positive which is working and growing towards projects and opportunities but I think you have to be careful in there to remember to live for your life and that your life is enough and that you are enough and that everything you're doing is enough yeah but the the industry is tricky that way because you're always um longing 
in a way. Yeah. And it's so glamorous in some ways yeah. that I think you can start to buy into all that. Yeah. And it's yeah. hard. And yet it's not glamorous. No, it's, it's like not. way less glamorous. I mean, uh, the, I know that that. The, especially a lot of the working actors, you spend more time in mud than you do on red carpets. Yeah. And what I even meant about glamorous is I mean like the media perception of the Absolutely. industry is so glamorous. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. And so then you think, yeah, it gets, it's, you get skewed. So, I mean, if it is my child's passion to do this, of course, I will support them, and I will do everything I can to help them. Yeah. Um, and I would want them to have a passion, and I would want them – to have struggle because it does strengthen you. Yeah. But um, uh, no, I, I don't encourage it. And already he doesn't go to auditions and we don't do any of that stuff. And he's a very outgoing little boy, but no. Yeah. yeah. I know. My daughter's getting kind of like... Into it? Yeah. Well, but no, she's not an actor, but like, you know, she's... she she's around a lot of people who work in the industry mm -hmm. and she's able to see the work that goes into it like she's visited some sets and she's like she's and she has a really good voice and she's a good performer and she it's like it's almost like meant to be but, you know but the flip side of that is it it's it's so magical too yeah I you want know. them to have the experience of creating something and being a part of something and 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 if you can if you can navigate the struggles, yeah. then, you know. Well, she will benefit from the uh, hundreds of hours of podcasts that we have episodes <laughs> of this podcast, and she can listen to everybody exactly, sharing their story. Exactly. Um, as a writer, yes. what's an Aubrey Arneson story? An Aubrey Arneson story is quirky, yeah, um, heartfelt. And self-aware. I don't mean self-aware, but um, like likes to break the fourth wall a bit. Self-deprecating a little self -deprecating, bit. Self-deprecating, yeah. um, humorous, um, but and sincere. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, um, without giving anything away, <laughs> without telling me anything, answer this question? Yes. But like you know, like can you can you discuss in kind of general terms some of the projects that you have cooking right now, yeah, or some yeah. of the stories that you want to tell? Totally. No, I'm I'm working on. Oh, I just wrapped. I'm in post production on a rom com short, oh. which is narrated by Love the Emotion. So, Aww. yeah, the narrator ended up being a little less in the. And then I wanted, but yeah. yeah, it's narrated. So it's um, it's a, a quirky little rom com short, and so it has all of those qualities too. Is and love wise? Tell me about love. Well, love is. Love is kind of in this story just right. Mm. Love just is. Yeah. Love just is the voice that says, "Well, no, this is how it was always going to be," yeah. and you don't get to choose, and you wouldn't want to, would you? because it's such a more dynamic journey without you deciding yeah. and when I help kind of thing. Um, and then I'm working mm. on a short, potentially, pilot about an Icelandic witch called a satyr. I know. or I mean, it's Norse, old Norse culture. It, there are these satyrs. They're like shaman. They're mm. women, shaw women. And um, but this is about a twenty-one-year-old fashion student who discovers she has all these powers. So <gasps> that's a series. I know it's a series, That's right? a series. 
It's a series. It's a series. So I, I, because I wrote. Oh, that the short sounds delicious. Be, I mean, you can like it's fun, right? Yeah, like pull from mythology. Because well, in mythology, they used the threads and fabric, and it was all these things for their spells to cast their spells. So she's a fashion student at this fancy fashion school. Okay, I love that you love it because I love it too. So anyway, uh, I fucking love it. Working on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, keep us posted. Okay, yeah, uh, we totally want to see that. Um, and we we can't let you go without spending a little bit of time talking about Doctor Fife. Dr. Yes. Lucy Fife yes. on Home Before Dark. You know, so no spoilers because the show it's coming out in the spring. Yeah, um, and that's an Apple uh, TV Plus uh, jam. Uh, but what kind of what can you tell us about the role and the journey that awaits audiences? Well, I can tell you the show is created by funny enough. Dana or Dana? I don't. Dana, Dana Fox. I'm pretty sure it's Dana Fox. Yeah. Okay. We've only emailed. Um, yeah. Dana, Dana. Could be Donna, though. See, that was the uh, one that, that threw me. This one woman, Donna. Uh, Stefoff was her last name, know, you know. Right? So, so I just, I, I'm, com- that, I will always trip over that name. I am never, ever sure. So here we are again. Yeah. So it's Dana, Dana, Dana Fox yeah. and Dara Resnick. They created Dana the Fox. Do you mean like Dana Scully and Fox Mulder? But in no, one. Yeah. No, I no know, but no, like it's, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> Dana Fox is perfect. Dana Fox. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, Brooklyn Prince, who was in The Florida Project, is a little eight-year-old. Do you oh, know Brooklyn? I Well, I know Florida Project. Yeah, so yeah. she's the little girl, Brooklyn Prince, and she is the lead of the show. And then Jim Sturgis, and he was in Across the Universe, yeah. British actor, oh. lovely. So it's based on a true story. And in the U.S., there's this girl named Hildy Lysiak, and she broke a... Um, murder case I believe it was in her home home small town she started a paper as a nine-year-old um like very young maybe she was 10 nine and um she's a little was a journalist and she was breaking all these stories so that's what it's based on it's based on a true story isn't that cool (laughs) and you're a journalist yeah it's amazing yeah so it's about terrifying as the parent of a nine-year-old I know because her dad's a journalist so she gets into it her dad. Anyway, I play the town doctor, and I am also related, like related to the mur- the the crime yeah. she is trying to solve. Oh, I'm related okay. to the people involved. Yeah, wow. so it's fun. Yeah, and, it was and, it was amazing. And my uh, Adrian, had you played a, had you played a doctor before? No. And do we see you do doctor things? I had to do stitches. How, you did? Yeah, I did not real. St- I mean, obviously, obviously. <laughs> but I had a stitches coach. I had a paramedic come in and train me on stitches. How do you how do you train on stitches? Like, well, what do you use? there's a, it's you do this hook and then a double loop and pull through and yeah, there, there's a way to do it. But like, it. Was, were you? Was it like it was on a prosthetic? Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Were you yeah. good at it? In moments. Yeah, in moments. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> you once look really good on camera. I'm once, sure. Once again, I was like, "Oh, I'll cut around this." Yeah. I was like, "Don't panic. They're <laughs> gonna cut around this." Yeah. That's. I mean, and that's a good voice to have in in mind then when you are doing stuff that you don't normally do when you're acting. Yeah. You know, to know that they will be able to cut it around. Yeah, you're giving yeah. them just what you just what they need. Yeah. You just gotta yeah. stay in. They can cut around it. Yeah. Um. I guess I like. Let's let's end with we'll end with one of my favorite questions, okay. which um, has to do with uh, a swear word. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, um, with, oh no, with I, a, oh my god, oh no, uh, with what the fuck moments. And by okay. that I mean like you know like those WTF like what what when are those moments in your career when you're like, what the fuck? This is actually my life. Yeah, yeah. Like, do, do you have those? And if so, when do they happen? Let me think about it. I mean, 
I, I feel like there's been so many. I'm, I'm lucky that there's been so many. Yeah. That, um, yeah, I mean, being on Home Before Dark is one of them for sure. Yeah. Working with actors that are so incredible and that make it so effortless. There are those moments where I'm driving home and I think, oh, this is, this is what you wanted. You know, the ease, the creation. When I'm having meetings even these days lately about my directing career and I'm talking to people about directing these projects that are coming up, hopefully, I have those. I hang up the phone and I, I'm having them lately. I'm like, wow, like I'm actually ha and it's not quite there yet with the directing, but I'm I'm and I think I'm grateful I can have it in that moment. I'm like, I'm happy I'm even having this conversation. Yeah. This is really wonderful. So happen a lot really yeah yeah well I I have them all the time yeah having it even today yeah it's that I get cool. to do this even work. being here yeah, yeah you're right like even being here I get to go do a podcast I texted a friend she's like you get to do a podcast I'm like yeah I do that's so cool yeah well it's so cool to have you here yeah, and please thank you come for having back me. and please tell I us will. all about what you're working on in the future and then we can have many more what the fuck here you know what together. I want to have a uh what the fuck moment when the series that we talked about when it's made when it's going hey that's a goal that's a goal there then we'll yeah. come back we'll talk about can it can I come to the set uh, yeah okay great of course I could even play a <laughs> reporter of some kind I was just gonna you say know? you could be in it I would love to yeah I don't know I don't know I'm not an actor but no but remember I don't do actors I do all everyone yeah. I, I have all I have non-actors as in long my as stuff. there's no skating or sports I can totally no, no, do it no skating actually I'm a pretty good skater are you yeah because I grew up out east so you get to a certain age yeah. and they slap some skates on you and they send you outside everyone right? can skate yeah, yeah everybody out east can skate can skate people who are born and raised in Vancouver it's a little bit like the uh -huh. hockey the hockey culture is so different you know like it's like there's a lot more soccer out here yeah you know there's basketball lot, yeah basketball yep. baseball hockey it's like it's like it's down the list right I know it's yeah. totally different it's totally different yeah are, are you does your your uh, 22 month old uh, well does, shockingly does enough he does yet or uh, I took him to the rink once but no not yet but he loves his hockey stick and his hockey puck and we didn't put that on him I know it's but he is he loves it yeah he yeah. likes it we'll see we'll see We'll see. Yeah, she has NHL dreams in her eyes. I can no. tell. All right. So, Aubrey Arneson, where can our listeners find you on the social media? Uh, well, I'm fortunate enough that my parents named me something that no one else has the handle. Yeah. So, it's Aubrey Arneson everywhere. A-U-B-R-E-Y-A-R-N-A-S-O-N. All right. And we'll have, we'll have links to all your various social media channels in the footnotes for this episode. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sabrina. And what, a, what a day. What a nice it day. Was, it's a nice day. It's yeah. definitely a what the fuck day but yes. the good kind because sometimes I've asked people and they're like wait you mean like the worst thing that's ever happened to me like no no like the best things like the what the fuck that's why I like I have to I've actually had to practice saying what, what the, the fuck, fuck? yeah so, so I guess great. I have done a little bit of acting yes <laughs> but not enough to jump into a career in acting alright to our listeners thank you so much for joining us today please like and subscribe if you are so inclined and leave us a review they help us find even more listeners you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene the YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me Sabrina Furminger and it's produced and edited by Simon Furminger special thanks to our Patreon ad reader Mari 
Ariana Furminger, to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger, clearly we are a family business, for technical support, and to Dane, not a Furminger Devilay, for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And 